When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to Dan Grasa on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, indeed. Hour number two, Dan Grasa show, 98.7 ESPN. We are live from Resorts World NYC, bar 360, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard in Queens. Stop by and say hello if you were in the neighborhood. And when you say hello, not only are you just going to see us and see the show, you're going to see our next guest. He is here. He is going to be signing autographs. He's been signing autographs all night long. It is three-time Super Bowl champion, two of them with the New York Giants. He is former All-Pro center, Bart Oates, who's nice enough to join us here live. Bart, thanks for coming hey, by. Hey, thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. What brings you out here tonight? Just a uh, little Monday you know, night football? I just happen to be in the area, just yeah. uh, driving around. You know, the driving around? You like that Monday night traffic and all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't mention the uh, fantasy teams, though. I'm just mind No, the, none of that oh stuff. Oh, my gosh. I'm horrible. So, so how are you? What are you up to these days? Uh, it's great. I'm uh, currently uh, I'm a, I'm an attorney, so I practice the law, but I'm currently the president of the NFL Alumni Association. And there's a lot of alumni, to say the least, in the NFL. We are. Yeah, we have lots. Uh, fewer than, than some of the guys, but um, it's, it's a good organization. And How has that changed? Because certainly over the last decade or so, you know, certainly there's, it's been a hot-button issue in terms of retired players and, you know, the care that they're getting once their career is over. And some are in worse shape than others, as we know. And, you know, it's nice to see that the league is finally taking care of them for those that laid it on the line for so long. But, you know, now being a part of that organization or being a part of that organization – you know, what does that entail to you, certainly, during that time period? Good question. Thank you for asking. Typically, uh, we, we succinctly put it, and our missions are caring for our own, caring for kids and our communities. Mm-hmm. And so we have uh, 45 chapters around the country, uh, all run by uh, former players. We do have others. We have basically fans, or we call them associate memberships and enterprise memberships for businesses. So anybody's invited to be a part of it and want to fulfill the missions of our organization. But it's empowering the guys locally to make a difference in the communities they live in uh, through charitable endeavors, through um, positive imaging, and et cetera. And then our uh, kind of a national side is caring for our own, where we look for benefits and, and other ways of uh, making a difference in the in the post-playing career lives of our guys. How do, those, how do the players get engaged in an organization like that? Is that something, is there like a recruitment that has to take place just because so many players, they finish, you were there once upon a time, your career ends, and a lot of them maybe don't necessarily know what they want to do with themselves life after football. Well, since I, probably most of you guys listen to your show, yeah. so I got all these guys out there listening to the show. Of course. Say, go look it up. NFL alumni, go join the NFL alumni, make a difference in your community. Use, use the brand that we help build. Uh, so that we can we can make that you know positive impact. So that's that's really what uh, locally we're we're an opt-in organization. You have to opt in. We have a, we have some dues, fairly insignificant dues to pay. But um, I got union dues too, unfortunately. There you but go. Not, not yeah. NFL alumni. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could because you could become associate member. That's true. I could. Oh, hey, to say you know what? I'd like to have that card. That's a nice card. I'd like to have carrying around. Hey, I'm NFL alumni. People think I played in the NFL, which of course <laughs> I didn't, and, and probably don't even look like I would come close to playing in the NFL. Though, what do you I think? You, I, you yeah. Look, I mean, I've seen punters. I mean, you look very similar to many punters I've seen. Are you kidding me? There's wide receivers who are smaller than me now. 
<laughs> in the NFL. But you know yes, what? Sir. It's a different game. Hey. It's a different game. It's always been, though. There's wide receivers. I, you know, Stephen Baker played, you know. Touchdown a maker. Little guy, 170 pounds, Phil McConkey. Phil McConkey, yeah. So it, there's always been place. That's the thing about football, right? You have such a diversity of sizes. Guys that are, you know, now in the three, you know, just a kind of a, as Parcells would say, a biscuit under 400. <laughs> uh, and you get guys in still in the 180s. Give me a, uh, you gave me one. Give me a couple more. What's your, give me some Parcells-isms. Give me a good Parcells story with all those years that you had him as your coach. What was another good one? Oh, Parcells was, you know, he, he was very frugal, and he encouraged the guys to be frugal. He always asked guys, how you doing? Jersey and guy to his roots. Jersey guy. Oh, right my, to the too, core, too. right? He, he, yeah, he embraced that, and that's who he is. It's like that's when I, you know, Parcells in, in New Jersey for the New York Giants and George Seifert in California for the 49ers. I mean, you, t- you couldn't talk about a greater dichotomy, if you will. You know, these guys, a difference of – because George was like that California guy and Bill was that – he was that New Jersey guy. Bill was – so – so who was it? Probably Jim Burt. He goes, Jim, you're so cheap that when you pull out the nickel, the buffalo yawns. <laughs> That's a good line. And, that and, is a good and he, line. Loved, he loved the guys. He said, listen, I want guys who have pelts on the wall. Right? And, that was, and he did that. He always pulled in. He went out for these veteran guys that had been there, done that, had pelts on the wall. Right. Well, I mean, and he always, you know, Parcells guys. Were you a Parcells guy? Were no. You consider, you, no. I was a lineman. Lineman can't be Parcells but, guys. Why not? Except Jumbo was. Jumbo, Jumbo, Jumbo was, was a Parcells guy. Yeah, but you could be a Jumbo he might Parcells have been the guy. Only, he might have been the only Parcells guy I know. Why do you think you know? that is, though? You guys do the dirty I work. He might have kissed his butt a lot. I don't know. You think uh, that's what it was? I know he was no, a defensive no. coach no, at John, his, at no, his John, court. No, John, no way. That was, John, was, he stuck to himself, and he just took care of business. That was uh, Jumbo. You, meant, you mentioned Seifert, and you had a couple of years there with the Niners after you left the Giants, won yourself yep. a third Super Bowl. You were part of that 94 Niner team, which was as explosive a group as oh you know, ever. But you mentioned Seifert. Why do you think that he's not getting the love when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I mean, you look at his resume in San Francisco, all the guy did was win double digits every single year, won two Super Bowls. How come he's not in the Hall of Fame? Don't know. I don't know. Isn't that I, odd? I, that is odd, you know, that you mentioned it. I hadn't really given that a lot of thought. but uh, Not too uh, many coaches. Which is, which is total wins. I mean, obviously that has a significant part. Won 114 games, 62 losses. Okay. Now, he went to Carolina, I have to remember, and he didn't win. But that was only three years. I mean, but you still can't just pass over what he did with you guys in San Francisco. No, he listen. I mean, a lot of guys could come in and mess that thing up. He didn't. George was a guy that he would stand there on the sidelines. He had these he had these dark sunglasses with the uh, the little strap in the back so that they wouldn't fall off. Right. Or he could pull them down, and he would sit there with his arms folded the entire practice. Just he would not sit, but stand there, arms folded, sunglasses on, cap over his. And you couldn't tell whether his eyes were open or closed, and he wouldn't move. I mean, you know, sometimes like for you know, 15, 20 minutes. And all you could tell is that he's got to be like somewhere up in Northern California fly fishing, you know, in his mind. That's what he's doing right now. So basically the polar opposite from the guy that you were used he's to He's a California guy, and Parcells was a Jersey What did guy. you respond to better as a player? You know, what I, type of style? I was, I was either. Listen, I, it's easier to respond to the positive. You know, right. Seifert. I mean, Bill was a pain in the butt. I mean, it was – but all he did was win. He knew how to get the most of every player that he got. And he treated guys differently. He didn't treat – right? not everybody got treated the same, you know, because guys respond differently. And he was – I loved watching Bill work. I mean, just how he motivated guys. Some very positive, put his arm over the shoulder of, a, you know, Lawrence Taylor or one of the defensive guys. Never saw that happen to offensive guys. <laughs> but – 
But, you know, and then other times just yelling and, you know, he was going to raise his voice. He's going to call you out. He's going to embarrass you. And, you know, he wanted guys. He put pressure on you. He loved putting pressure on guys in practice and around your peers because he wanted to see how you respond. Because he wanted a guy that was going to be, right, a tough mentally guy, a guy that was going to be there. He would do it to Lawrence Taylor, as great as Lawrence was. He would do those things to him. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I, I know what you mean. Uh, maybe, maybe, let's I put it this way. I disagree a the, little the, bit. The, the, the looking the other way for a guy like Lawrence Taylor maybe happened a little bit more regularly than, let's say, other players. <laughs> Is that fair? He was Lawrence Taylor. He was dude. Lawrence Taylor. And you know what? Everyone on the team knew it. And, it, and there was no issue with it. Everyone on the team, has, they, you play a role. And it, it's that, that's the thing about football, and that hasn't changed. You play a role. And the teams that have guys that play their role the best, right, those are the teams. And Parcells was a, was a master at creating that, that dichotomy, that, that thought process with guys and say, you know, okay, Lawrence Taylor, he's Lawrence Taylor. So I, I'm not going to be Lawrence Taylor. I'm not going to be treated like Lawrence Taylor. Uh, and so that was the way, and, and guys accepted it. Um, Today, whether they could do that or not. I was just going to ask you that question. Would that work today? It seems like the I, players I think have to some extent, yeah, yes. There's some guys that wouldn't. I mean, there's some guys that are just me guys mm -hmm. today. I think there's more me guys. But um, a guy like, you know, take a guy like, like um, Deion Sanders. People mm -hmm. in that era back in the 80s and 90s. Former Deion, teammate of yours. Yep, and in San Francisco. And, you know, but, but an awesome teammate. He wasn't a guy that was a. You know, outwardly, he was, very, he was a showboat, and he was gregarious. Prime and, time. Right? Um, he, he embraced that. But in the locker room, you know, it was, he was one of the guys. He was one of the players. I said, I'm here to help us win. And that was his, his mentality. Bart Oates, former Giants center, joining us here. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. I know you were an offensive guy, but back during your days with the Giants, the defensive coordinator during those years, could you ever have foreseen that we would be talking about a guy with six Super Bowl rings as a head coach, and they're talking about maybe arguably the greatest coach that we've ever seen in Belichick? Oh. Well, I mean, listen. Did you think he had that in him? I mean, I didn't see it, no. No. You saw the, you saw the, um, the studious nature. You, you saw. You saw the X's and O's, but maybe right. not. But you didn't see him. Plus, I'm an offensive lineman. Right. He's a defensive coordinator. The last thing I have, I, listen, my, I bl I'm a blinders guy. I put on my blinders because I'm like, I don't, there's only certain things I need to know. And the more outside that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't like one of those old washwomen like Jim Burt, you know, had to know everybody's business, you know. Uh, I, was, I was a guy, and I say that, I say that affectionately because he and I are very good friends. Uh, but, you know, I was, I was a guy who wanted to know the least. Just, I, just, just do your do job. I, what do I need to, you know, so I really don't even need to know what, what, what Doug Riesenberg or, or John Elliott's going to do, you know, out there on the corners. I just, as long as I got a good relationship with, with Eric Moore and with William Roberts, then that's all I, that's, that's an immediate for me. Before, you know, you guys finally got over the hump and won in 86, and we'll get to that in a second, but let me start at 85 because you guys made the playoffs <laughs> and you win a game against the 49ers in the wild card round, you lose to the 85 Bears, the 85 Bears at Soldier Field, Wendy's hell day, you know, and the Sean Landetta punt, the infamous moment in that game there. Was that the best defense you guys ever, you ever played against, that group? Well, I tell you, you know, that defense really was recreated back in, with Eagles a few years later. Buddy. With Buddy. So was, you guys had battles. That might have been teams. the best defense because I had to play them twice a year. Right. I don't think it's – listen, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, Reggie White, the quarterback that he sacked the most in his career, who happened to be Phil Sims. Phil. 
<laughs> so, and they love to put Reggie right over the center, by the way. And our system, we, our scheme, whenever the, the two inside guys were, were, three inside guys were covered mm -hmm. in Buddy's system, um, we would just fan out. And it was always just a one-on-one. -on -one hat with, on a hat. With, with me and Reggie. And so, um, yeah, that was always fun. What, what was it like blocking Reggie White one-on-one? -on -one? What was I don't know. What? I don't know if I ever got to that well, point. I, I tried to. Having to deal with him, and then, for instance, like with 85, you know, when Refrigerator Perry was in there, and having to deal with him in the middle yeah, of that yeah, defense. I mean, that's Fridge, I love the guy, but there's no comparison. As far and as a plug, but, I mean, it's, it, it's a heavy load to have to deal with one yeah, way or the other. Yeah, but you had Dan Hampton, and, and, right? I mean, you had some other Hall of Famers that were part of that. McMichael on that line. McMichael, Dent. Hampton, Dent. Uh, you know, we got – You've got the Otis Wilson and Singletary, and so I mean, you had oh, some man. just phenomenal. Wilbur Marshall, all Wilbur, those guys. Yeah, I mean, all those that front seven was was. But phenomenal. when you guys lost to them in '85, and they of course would win the Super Bowl, did you know? Did you use that as motivation? Did you know something saying next year we'll be that team? Yeah, you know, again, I go back to the blinders. My mm -hmm. mind was like, just do my job. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't make a difference how our defense plays. I can't make a difference how. You know, if a receiver catches a ball or not. You know, I can block for the running back. I can block for the quarterback. That's what I can do. And I can't make a difference elsewhere. I was also the snapper, so I, I could get a good snap to, the, to Raul and, and, uh, and uh, Sean. 80, that 86 Giant team, you guys go 14-2. and two, You roll through the playoffs. I, I mean, you give up three points in the two playoff games, you know, three to the Niners, and then uh, you shut out the Redskins in the uh, NFC Championship game. And then you have that Super Bowl game against Denver where you guys were losing at halftime. But then you rolled in the second half. W what point in 86? Because I think that's one of the – even though you guys won a championship, I think it's one of the most underrated great teams of all time, if you get my point. And that defense especially, the 86 giant defense, think of how many great players, of course, you had. But when did you know in 86 that, yeah, we're special, we're pretty good? You know, probably later in the season. I mean, Was it again, I, ca I came in 85. Mm -hmm. I was – I came out of the USFL, so I played in the USFL. Then I played after the spring season of 85. I just went back-to-back -back mm -hmm. and the Giants. And then, um, you know, so I was, as far as the NFL, I was still new. I, I mean, I was mm -hmm. a 20-year-old rookie. But it was a uh, – I, I felt later in the year, you know, because our offense really started clicking. We had uh, a good scheme running a, a draw trap and Mavaro. Um, oh, man. Just, see, Mark was as far as ceiling and edge. Reggie hated playing against him. He hated playing against because Mark would take him and just dump him. Think about the evolution of the tight end position from when that era and a guy like Pavaro who could block like a lineman, who could catch the ball. Nowadays, the tight ends are almost like glorified wide receivers. Very rarely Very, you have two yeah. guys who could do both. Yep. Yeah, no question. And Mark was, Mark was not a big guy. He's just a guy who had great leverage and terrific technique. Uh, Mike Pope was, his, uh, was the tight ends coach and just a really good job. And he also had it, – it didn't hurt um, that he had uh, Zeke Moat that uh, was – who had been a very, very end. good and he had a really bad – I mean, really bad knee injury. But Zeke might have been better, quite frankly, than, than Mark. Um, and then, you know, they just – we had a seam route that Phil loved throwing the seam route to, to our tight ends. Let me ask you about Phil because, you know, certainly you have a guy like Daniel Jones who's in his fourth year as the quarterback of the Giants. And, you know, and they're, they're still trying to figure out what they have in him. Didn't exercise his option. Didn't exercise it. No, this is a, this is a prove-it year for him. But he was, you know, I, we keep bringing it up how you think, and fans who are younger don't remember this, 
Phil Simms, when he began his career with the Giants, you know, he missed a lot of time. He was not exactly a fan favorite. Fans were booing him. First round pick that didn't work out. You know, Parcells picked Scott Bruner over him once upon a time. What was it like or when did you see this transformation in Phil that, okay, like what clicked that all of a sudden Phil Simms became Phil Simms? Phil was always Phil. I mean, it's just giving him the opportunity, quite frankly. He was, he was a core wreck. And, and, but we played a very conservative style game. I mean, Bill, if we if ran we the ball well, ran the ball pretty well. He wanted time of possession, no turnovers, and let my defense win the game. Mm-hmm. I remember one time having a fumble. I think it was a fumble the ball. The opponent recovered it. Parcells gathers the offense. You know, he's very excitable. Guys, I don't, I don't need you to win this game for me. Just don't lose it for us. <laughs> you know, like for us, it's right. like, you know, like we weren't part of us. We were the offense and, the, you know, we weren't the really important group. But, you know, just, just give me enough points. You know, if he had seven-point lead going into the fourth quarter, we would not pass the ball. He just wanted to eat the clock up, punt the ball, play field possession. And then they just like – I mean, and then we get into the – Because you like that as a lineman. Well, you do, except in those situations, they're they going to put eight in the box. Right. So Tough you're not going to run the ball against eight and eight in the box, and then, but that's all we do. And then, then you go into Monday se- games review sessions, and we get pounded. <laughs> Guys, we got to keep the ball. We got to get first downs here. I'm like, you know, and you get, and you, there's a no-win situation if you respond. But coach, they got you guys should keep your mouth shut and just okay. Humbling experiences, especially <laughs> with a guy like Parcells. Uh, Bart Oates is here. He's going to be signing autographs as soon as he's done with us. We got to get a quick timeout. And would you hang around for one more quick segment? Absolutely. All right. We're here at Resorts World NYC, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard in Queens. Stop by and say hello if you're in the neighborhood. Dan Grasso Show, we're here till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. We are live at Resorts World NYC, Bar 360, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard in Queens, New York. Stop by and say hello. We're chatting with giant three-time Super Bowl champion, Center Bart Oates. He's going to be hanging around as soon as he's done with us, signing some autographs, so come by and say hello. The 1990 run to the Super Bowl, that featured two of probably the greatest football games I've ever seen back-to-back in that NFC Championship game in San Francisco, which to me, this is just one person's opinion, I think that was more an impressive feat winning that game than even the Super Bowl against that high-powered Bills team. 
Oh, no question. Yeah, you agree? I, I agree, absolutely. I mean, the how, three many, how many times do you? Yes. I mean, we prevented them. They probably beat. I don't know. Listen, that was a great Bills game team. And, and you know, we won that. I mean, our system, our, our scheme is much confused and slowed that uh, offense down. I mean, the week before, because we only had one week off between. That was very Correct. important. By the way, that was very important. If you get two weeks for the Bills to prepare for all these other circumstances and these other um, different ways of, that we might have played, they could have, they, in my opinion, they would have been more prepared. They were not prepared offensively to combat the, what we did to them. See, I would think it would be the other way around, though, because no offense to you guys on offense, but, you know, you kind of just lined up and played smash-mouth football to a degree. Yep. Hosteller was your quarterback. I would think that that Bills Kagan offense, which was, you know, revolutionizing the world that year, that's what would have been difficult to prepare for, and maybe the extra week would have helped Belichick Parcells and so on and so forth. Not that they no. needed it, but no. interesting. No, just the opposite. That's interesting. Right. Well, what, what of a, how many Super Bowls now? 56? This will be 57 this year. 56 so yeah. played. Which game, which team, offensive team has the time of possession record for Super Bowl? That's yours in 25? Yes. Steal. No, no penalties, 40, no turnovers in that game also? Is I don't that think so. Not by how us. How about that? That was one of the best. It, it was a perfect, perfect, unlikely, and it had to be. And we kept, we had it 40 minutes, and they had it less than 20. And we kept them, and actually between, because of the long half times, they were off the field for almost an hour and a half. That's right. Before the time they got off, because we, we had the ball the last possession and had a long drive. Then we got the first possession, second half, after a 40-minute half, first possession, a long drive. And these offense hadn't been on the field. That's how we beat them. When Bruce Smith sacked Jeff Hostetler in the end zone for that safety, I watched that play a million times, and I still do not know to this day how Hostetler didn't lose the football. He's an athlete. I mean, but just incredible. Incredible. And, of course, when Norwood's lining up for the kick, where were you? I was on the sideline. Were you looking? No. No, because uh – did you have any preconceived idea of if he was going to make oh, it? Oh, I just did, I had just prepared myself for the. All right, we got one. We'll get a, we'll get <laughs> so a, you're thinking, we'll, I'm, we'll you're thinking he's making ring. it yeah, prepared for the make, worst. Yeah, prepare for the worst. Why am I thinking, nah, way he's going to make it. 47 yards on grass. It, That's no it's, gimme. It's no gimme. But he could have had, it would have been good from 57 yards from on Just grass. not accurate. It, it was accurate. It was accurate. He, he just started outside the, the – so what, what you do, a kicker, if you're going to draw the ball – you start right at the goalpost. And any, so now you have your entire margin of error is that width of the field goal, right? So that, that's what a kicker wants to do. So he started a little bit outside, which wouldn't be a problem if you draw it. Right. But he hit it so pure, so good that it went straight. He's like, he, like when you're playing golf, he had a pure one, and the thing just goes like, oh, my gosh, I don't ever do that. The week before that Niner game, again, I'm harping on that one, the NFC Championship. And you guys won that day with five field goals. And no touchdowns. And no touchdowns, just five field goals, 15-13. Yep. When Barr lines up for the game winner. You're on the field, right? You're snapping the ball. You no, you're not the no, no, Steve Diossi's snapping in. Steve Diossi's snapping in. You're on the line? No, I'm, I'm with the, I get the, we get the big fat guys in there. I was just center. You're on the, I want to get off the field. You, did you watch that one? Yes. Yes. Well, okay. I, knew, I knew Barr was going to make it. Because he already made four. Yeah, it wasn't that. And he was it, one of those It wasn't clutch. that far either. Yeah, he was just. He didn't let things – he had a very strong – mentally, he's like – he just let things like that get in the way. Now, about a month before that, you went to San Francisco and played them on Monday night. They beat you 7-3, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes. 7-3, and it was a great game. Um, 
did you walk off that field, or at least knowing when you had to go back there for the title game, that we can beat these guys? Well. Because yeah. Sims played in that game, too, the Monday night game. Yeah. Not Hostetler. Sims played, not Hostetler. Hostetler only played the last two games of the season, right? right? The three games. Phil got hurt in that Saturday Thanks. against the Bills in the rain. Yes. Awful and, day. Um, you know, that, I mean, so we're, now we're with a guy that has never started. Do you have confidence in him? Total. Totally. Yeah, we all did. Different time in the NFL. 1990, you could keep a Jeff Hostetler as your backup quarterback. Because they weren't paying him Because they weren't paying. The, 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 the Niners nothing. could keep Steve Young as their backup quarterback when you had Joe Montana. You can't do that but now. But they were paying Steve a couple million. A couple million, but not to the extent Hoss it was making on probably three or 400000 But you had confidence in him. Well, we knew who the kind of competitor. We knew he was a great athlete. Right. And so it was just a matter of – and probably the, the biggest – we had no choice. Right. So – all you can do is believe in your guy. You know, that's if, how do you help your team? Well, just believe in the guy and do everything you can and believe in him. Jeff and I, would, we, were, we were neighbors. Um, we lived up in Rivervale, mm -hmm. uh, New Jersey. And we would, almost every Tuesday we'd go out and play golf together. And, you know, our kids were similar age. And he was just a guy that I said, Jeff, you know, we got the guy. I, you know, here's your, here's your chance, bro. Because, I mean, I knew Jeff well. I, and I knew that he had that the ability to. Uh, you know, and so he was able to just pull it together and, and make plays that, that maybe Phil wouldn't have made. You know, and, and to, to the credit of, of, of the coaching staff, we changed our offense. They changed, Ron Earhart and, you know, with Bill's, uh, you know, input, I'm mm -hmm. sure, changed the offense. We went from a straight drop back because, you know, for a new quarterback that hasn't been playing, that's not, that's not a comfortable position. So what do you do? You do these half rolls or full rollouts. We did – Naked boots, we did covered boots. I mean, it was like that. And Jeff, you know, we'd, we'd go set up behind you, get behind the tackle. Now you have a little different angle. We did that constantly, you know. We, and we encouraged, we, we knew he could, we would run the ball at times. And so it added a dimension that we didn't have necessarily before. And then you go to San Francisco, finish out your career, play a couple years with them, win another Super Bowl ring. Yeah, Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. And that 94 Niner team. That was as good a football team. I mean, you guys were stacked. You uh, really and truly were. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I, I say this with the utmost respect. It was also one of the most boring Super Bowls I ever saw because you. there was no chance, <laughs> San Diego. When San Diego beat Pittsburgh in the championship game, you knew you guys. The Super Bowl was, was the NFC championship game, was it not? It you and Dallas. Listen, it was the NFC and, and, the, and the wild. The, all the teams in the playoffs pretty much were better than all the teams in the, in the NFC. Were NFC better. was superior. By, I mean, like by five yes. or six teams superior. Yes. Like, kind of like the AFC is now. And the Cowboys beat them. Well, you weren't on the team, but the Cowboys got them the, the, a couple of years before in the championship yep. game. And then this was the one, you know, Steve Young, get the, the monkey off his back, as they say, finally to get to the Super Bowl, get out of Montana's shadow. Once you guys won that championship game, and that was in the – no, that was that the one in the, in the mud? In the no, slump? we got it. Yep. That we, was the mud it one? It was at our place. Or you're at your place. And once you guys won that one, you thought, all right, fit me for my third ring probably, right? That was the only game I ever played, mm -hmm. that Super Bowl against the, the Chargers. Only game I ever played where I knew going in that there was no way we were going to lose that game. So when you walked off the field against Dallas in the championship game, you knew San Diego had won already because they were the early game. You, when you felt you won the Super Bowl that day. I knew, I knew we were going to win. Yeah, it was the only game I ever played in, by the way, like that. Because Dallas had won two. Yep. Two in a row. They, Previous they were going to repeat again. Mm -hmm. And actually they won the year after. Correct. Right? They won the three With and Switzer. four years. It would have four-peated had it had not been for the 49er team. Um, and that was just, you know, we jumped off to a really quick lead and we held on. <laughs> really, that was what it was. They were a great team at that point. You played, now that I think about it, in your career, 
with arguably, I say arguably, two of maybe the top three football players of all time in Lawrence Taylor and Jerry Rice. How are they similar in terms of just greatness and the will to be great and maybe the behind the scenes? Okay, they're very different men mm-hmm. mentally, by the way. I mean, Jerry was this intense guy, hardworking, you know, just he was, he was going to beat guys because he worked harder. Yeah. Not that he was the best athlete. Catching bricks, yeah, running I mean, those just, mountains you know, and all that stuff. He wasn't the fastest guy. Yeah. But, he was, but in the fourth quarter, he was going to outwork anybody out there, and, that's, and he was going to make the plays in the fourth quarter and, and make a difference, and that's, that's what you want a receiver to do. Right, to be in better shape than his opponents. And so Jerry was that hardworking, just he'd catch a pass in practice, right, a little slant, five-yard, ten-yard out, and just sprint to it score. That was his thing. He wanted to score every time he touched the ball. Lawrence was different. Lawrence was, was more of a casual guy, had a, had a passion. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the game started, he just, boom, that switch went off. There was a switch, and he turned into a monster. And I didn't care what you tried to do. You weren't going to stop him. I mean, the, the, the Redskins, they devised, you know, they spent whole off-seasons trying to devise ways of stopping him and couldn't. And, um, Poor Joe Jacoby. Yeah. And Joe's a great guy. <laughs> good he's good a, football he's a player. Great football player, good guy. But, listen, you're trying to, you know, chip, whatever. And, listen, and he, he would – it's not like Joe got beat every time. You know, most of the times he blocked Lawrence. But yeah. There were times, you know, Lawrence would just take over games. And just dominate. And it was just that was the way he could do. We're finishing up with Bart Oates. He's going to be signing autographs as soon as he's done with us here in just a minute. I'll leave you with this question here. You've been retired from the game for about 25 years or so. Uh, when you watch football now, what are your impressions of the modern-day game, the way it's played, compared to when you were lining up? You know, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like what they've done with the game. Uh, you you know, like that the, it's more wide open? Well, I, I'm okay with that. I played at Brigham Young University, so, you know, wide open games is what I grew up on. But the, I think also, you know, how you practice, how they treat the players now, you're not going to have the, the number of issues that you have post-playing careers that, you know, there's more protection for guys, there's more concern about guys. I think the medicine is, is better. And so um, I like it. I think, listen, it's specialized, and I'm glad I came around when I did. I know if I came around today, there's probably, you know, I, I wouldn't get a sniff, quite frankly. So uh, I, was just, I was very fortunate. Well, uh, before I let you go, because, you know, you said you're a BYU guy, for our Jet fans out there whose hopes are, you know, riding on the success rate of a former BYU quarterback who may or may not be making his season debut this week. It seems like he will be. But um, did you get a chance to see much of Zach Wilson during his college days? Yeah. Yeah, I'd always – I mean, always, they were always on late here, you know, right. like at 1030. So I'd usually get the first half. I very seldom got to the Do you think he has half. what it takes? I mean, do you, do you think the upside is still I, there? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pre- predict right here that, uh, that Zach Wilson is going to be the third BYU quarterback who uh, starts and wins a Super Bowl. How, see that? Bart Oates. From Bart Oates' lips to God's ears, <laughs> Zach Wilson is going to be the third BYU quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Hey, just even go to a Super Bowl. I think Jet fans would take that too, of course, Jim McMahon and Steve Young. Uh, the other two. This was a thrill. It really was. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Bart Oates, everybody, two-time Super Bowl champ. Thanks for stopping by. Bart's going to be signing some autographs right here, too, at Bar 360. Now that we're done uh, talking his ear off there. A lot more to do on the Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. We're live from Resorts World NYC, Bar 360. Stop by and say hello if you're in the neighborhood. 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard in Queens. We got the Monday night football game on here with the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. No score late in the first quarter. Of course, Cooper Rush under center tonight for Dallas and the Giants seeing if they can really put a punctuation on this first month with Brian Dayball at the helm as he tries to build this program back up to where they once were, and he's certainly gotten off to a good say. I know that they haven't been the most impressive first two weeks, but who cares? You're winning games. At the end of the day, you know, winning the close games is almost as impressive as, you know, you'd rather have an ugly win than a pretty loss, as they say. So we'll keep you up to date, of course, all night long with the Giants. Yankees and Jays 2-2 in the fifth. No home run for Judge. He's one for one and a walk so far for number 99. By the way, you can stream live sports and original content with ESPN Plus today. You get access to the award-winning 30 for 30 library, unrivaled UFC access, including exclusive pay-per-views, live coverage of 35 PGA Tour events each year. So get the ESPN Plus and Disney Plus bundled today and watch ESPN Originals, the 30 for 30s, the entire Disney and Marvel library, and more. Stream anytime, anywhere. Go to ESPN New York Bundle. Com to learn more. We'll go around the NFL coming up at 9 o'clock. Recap what was another crazy day in and around the National Football League. Real quickly, though, on the Mets, because we haven't really talked about them much. They're off tonight after doing what they had to do and taking two out of three in Oakland. They went a laugher yesterday. Pete Alonso sets the franchise record for single season Runs batted in. He's now up to 128. So really just a tremendous season for Pete. And it's good to see uh, him producing. And, and you think about this Mets offense. You know, they're not really known as a home run hitting team. But certainly when you have a guy like Pete in there, he is the guy that teams are going to account for that you have to pay attention to. He's well over 100 RBIs. Lindor's had a 100 RBI season this year in what was a much more, I think, uh, reflective season for him in his second in Queens as opposed to what we saw last year given the contract and the expectations and the hype and all those things. So the Mets are off tonight. They're going to welcome in the Marlins for a couple of games. And how about Don Mattingly over the weekend? Speaking of the Marlins, he decides that he's stepping away. I guess it was a mutual parting of the ways, he and the organization. You know, he's been there seven years. It's tough to win down there. I mean, look at why Jeter walked away, right? I mean, that's a screwy organization down there. You know that they're not going to spend a ton of money. And so Mattingly finally decided, you know what, at my age, I've done a lot in baseball. Maybe 
get away for a year. I don't think that he's done managing. I think he's only 61 years old. He's still a young man, relatively speaking here. I think you could see Manningly back in somebody's dugout maybe in 2024, and he's probably going to try to do it in a situation where maybe you get a little bit more support organizationally in terms of going out there and spending money and giving them a chance to compete. But they're going to be in for the next couple of nights to deal with the Mets as they continue to sow away this National League East Division Championship. Braves are playing tonight right now, and they're uh, winning a laugher. They got an 8 to nothing lead over the lowly Nationals down in the nation's capital uh, in the bottom half of the sixth inning. So you got to figure that Atlanta's going to take care of business tonight and win. So that'll cut the Met lead to one as we head into what amounts to pretty much the final week of the season. And everything is pointing towards that big weekend series down there in Atlanta where you got the Mets and Braves, a three-game series. Mets are going to have their three best pitchers lined up in Bassett and DeGrom and Scherzer. So that should be a heck of a lot of fun. And Braves are going to counter with their three guys too, even though Spencer Strider, the rookie, ends up on the injured list. He went on it this weekend. But real quick on another thing with the Mets that, you know, I was talking to Don and Peter with before we started our show, we do our little crosstalk at the end of TMKS, and that's involving Jacob DeGrom. And nobody is as big a Jacob DeGrom fan as I am. Nobody. I, I think by far he's the best pitcher in baseball when he's on. And I know that he's had a challenge this year, and he, you know, spent all that time on the shelf and just trying to build his arm up and his endurance up, and he didn't make his season debut until the beginning of August, right? So if you want to look at it in that context, he began the year in August, now we're in late September. If this was a normal season for Jacob deGrom, on his kind of calendar, this is like late May for him. So he still maybe is trying to find his way a little bit because you bring up that previous start where he struck out 13 guys in the first five innings and then kind of hit that wall in the sixth. And we've seen that on a couple of occasions from him this year where he's just dominating, you know, two times through the order, and then he gets to that third time through and his ERA in the sixth inning is very bloated. It's very lopsided, and you just wonder why. Once he gets to that kind of like 90-pitch threshold, maybe he starts losing his effectiveness a little bit. Okay, that's one part. And then he has this start over the weekend in Oakland against one of the worst teams in baseball, and he just gets lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, if, if, if you would have asked me things that you could almost guarantee in sports, and I know that, you know, that's why they play the games, but there was no chance that Oakland was going to go out there and, and batter around DeGrom like they did on Saturday. So I was as surprised as anybody. And, you know, adding up all those things that I kind of just outlined there, I wonder if there is any concern once the playoffs roll around that maybe DeGrom bears watching. And I wonder if Buck Showalter, if this doesn't turn around maybe over the next couple of starts he makes before the playoffs, if Buck Showalter is not going to be someone that has, you know, a quick hook with DeGrom, that maybe if he gets into some trouble in one of his postseason starts in that fifth or the sixth inning, that he's not going to even run the risk of having DeGrom maybe implode and, you know, be victim to a big inning there. So you hope that he could turn it around. Look, you still do trust him at the end of the day, but maybe it's just a little bit more careful in what you're watching from a Jacob DeGrom now moving forward the rest of the way here from the Mets. 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number. Like I said, we're going around the NFL to start hour number three coming up at 9 o'clock. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. We are live from Resorts World, New York City, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard. We're in bar 360. Come by and say hello. If you're in the neighborhood, we got Bart Oates here. He joined us on the air. A couple of great segments. He signed in autographs. Come by, say hi. We're hanging out watching Monday Night Football. Cowboys out to a 3-0 lead over the G-Men early in the second quarter. The ultimate ESPN New York Jets tailgate is coming October the 9th, and everyone is welcome, and I mean everyone. We'll have a pregame celebration in Lot G before the Jets take on Miami with all your favorite 98.7 ESPN hosts. I guess I'll be there too. Plus, tailgate games, prize giveaways, and live music from Randy Zoo. Listen to DiPietro and Rothenberg in the morning and the Michael K. Show in the afternoon all this week for your chance to score premium suite tickets and VIP tailgate passes. The ultimate ESPN New York Jets tailgate is brought to you by Guinness, Pepsi, and 98.7 ESPN. And a little bit later on, for the folks that are here, as a matter of fact, I think we're actually going to be having some ticket giveaways before the show is through. So another reason why you want to stop by and say hello if you are in the neighborhood. Uh, let us say hi to Richard in Manhattan. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Richard, going once. All right, we'll move on from Richard. We'll try to get that straightened out. Mike, who's calling from Resorts World, as a matter of fact. Mike, you're on 98.7. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm looking right at you. Glad to be here. Um, this is another yawn uh, NFC East game. I'm more interested in talking about the fact that <laughs> there will be no Pro Bowl this year. I'm more excited than that than watching this right now. And let so me just ba- so, the so basically the, the, the Pro Bowl, is that, is that, that's what you're fired up about, right? The Pro Bowl. No, I'm more fired up for the fact that we won't be having one. I don't have to watch <laughs> that this year. Thank do God. You think, like well, do, you, do you think that's going to work? And by the way, what, he, what he's referring to, the, the NFL announced that, look, the, the Pro Bowl's become a joke. We know that. But I guess they're going to have some sort of, like, skills competition. That's what they're going to do. And, 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 and Eli and Peyton, or Peyton's production company, they're going to be the ones producing it and coming up with these new things. I don't know. We'll see if it flies. Listen, anything's better than what I'm watching now. I mean, come on, Danny Dimes? He's been in the league too long to still look like a, a rookie. This is ridiculous. And Cowboys, they need to stop playing with McCarthy and start getting a quarterback, I mean, get a coach that can actually keep these people from getting penalties. It's ridiculous. I'm going to turn this jersey upside down and make it a Buffalo Bills one. And this is from a lifelong Cowboy fan. Step it up or step off. Well, Mike, you know what? You've got, you got yourself a built-in excuse, and I thank you for the phone call. Thanks for checking in with us. Mike, of course, hanging out with us here at Resorts World. The thing about the Cowboys, whether you like McCarthy or not, and whether you think that he's a good coach or not, and look, obviously, you know, some of the luster is off of him once you get out of Green Bay and away from Aaron Rodgers. We know that. But if you don't have your starting quarterback, and as long as Dak Prescott is going to be out of the lineup for however much longer that is, that's going to buy him a little bit of an excuse. It is. I mean, you hate to say it, but it's just the truth. That's the bottom line. I mean, any team right now that doesn't have their starting quarterback, you almost kind of look at them in a little bit of a different light. You don't want to hear it, but it's, it's the reality. And there is a significant drop-off when you're talking about a Dak compared to somebody like a Cooper Rush. I mean, there just is. 
I mean, let's face it. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Judge, by the way, struck out in his most recent plate appearance, so still no home run tonight. Yankees and Jays 2-2 playing in the sixth inning up there in Canada. Now let's go back to the phones and say hi to Richard from Manhattan. He is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Hi, Dan. Dan, I don't agree with the, with Robert Sala, and I was surprised that Wachusen agreed with him. Mm-hmm. Jets are down by 15, fourth quarter, 10 minutes and five seconds left in the game. Jets are down at the 12-yard line, 12-yard line mm-hmm. of Cincinnati. It's fourth and six. It's not fourth and four. It's not even fourth and five. It's fourth and six. They're down by 15. Ten minutes, five seconds to go. Mm-hmm. Not nine minutes, five. Not eight minutes, five. Ten minutes and five seconds. That's two-thirds of a quarter of football. The problem is, if you don't get the touchdown there, it takes the sail out, the wind out of the sail there. That's the biggest problem. Don't give me the numbers, the mathematics, the probability. It makes And in the old days, they never did that. So, so you refer- never the- went for the touchdown there. Get the three. Go down by 12. You kick the ball off. They had two timeouts left. They had the uh, uh, two-minute warning. I understand the way the game was going. They weren't going to get down there. They, but it doesn't matter at that point. You know, in the old days, Dan, and I've been watching football, you know, a lot longer than you, they never did that. Never. All the old coaches would never do that. That was a desperation move. And like I said, you don't get points there. Takes the defense to come out on the field. They're dead. They're dead now. And that but, was it. Okay? But, Richard, you know what the problem with that is, though? And I thank you for the phone call. He, he, here's the problem with that. It was a 15-point game, 27 to 12 at that point, right? A two-score game, you kick a field goal, it's still a two-score game, right? If, it's, if you're down 15 and then if you put up three, you're still down 12, it's still two scores. The field goal really doesn't accomplish much for you. Whereas then if you put the ball in the end zone, not only do you get some momentum, but then you can make it a one-score game, right? You're at least kind of shrinking the possessions you need to potentially get yourself back in and maybe try to steal this thing in the fourth quarter. But it didn't work out, and they just can never get on track all afternoon, and that's why they end up losing the game in the manner in which they did against Cincinnati yesterday. We come back. we still got an hour to play with. We're going to go around the NFL and recap a wild week number three. Dan Grasso, we are live from Resorts World NYC, Bar 360 on 98.7 ESPN.